0: In your hearing, I want us to focus our attention on how we can be more like Jesus. If you notice in the context of Peter's writings here, Peter's talking about Christians who were having to endure a lot of tribulation. They were suffering immensely because of their faith in Christ Jesus. And Peter talks about Jesus Christ here and And how our Lord had to suffer and what our Lord had to go through. And he talks about what Christ did for us and how he gave himself for us and how he feels about those that endure tribulation, those who suffer because of their faithfulness to God. And I would just like tonight to use these verses as a basis of the theme that I want to share with you tonight learning how we need to be more like jesus i want us to look at some things that peter said here that i believe will challenge our thinking and motivate us in our lives to try to be more like jesus christ our savior may i suggest first of all tonight that we need to become more like jesus when it comes to not giving into sin. I'm afraid sometimes just because we're tempted to sin, maybe we feel like we just ought to give in to that sin. Many times we we don't resist sin in the way that we should. Now I realize that we can't be exactly the way Jesus was. Jesus Christ, our Savior, never sinned in any way whatsoever. In verse 22 of our text, the Bible says, He did no sin, neither was there deceit found in his mouth. Christ never did sin. The Hebrews writer said in Hebrews 4 and verse 14 that he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. And even the enemies of Jesus Christ recognize the fact that Jesus did not transgress God's law. Even Judas, who betrayed the Son of God, would say in Matthew 27 and verse 4, I have betrayed innocent blood. In that same chapter, Felix would say about Jesus, I find no fault in this man. And even there, as Jesus hung on that old rugged cross, crucified between two thieves, we... Observe what one thief said in Luke 23 and verse 41. He said, we are here justly. We have received the due reward for our deeds, but this man, Jesus, has done nothing amiss. We know that Jesus Christ was one that was without spot and without blemish, 1 Peter 1 and verse 18. And there is simply no way that we can ever be like Christ in that regard. Because John says in 1 John 1 and verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. But what I'm suggesting tonight is, is that we need to become more like Jesus in that we make up our minds that we're not going to give in to sin so readily and so quickly. I think about a mother who told her son, don't go swimming today. Well, it wasn't long till the boy came in the house and his hair was wet his swimming trunks were on and they were wet. And the mother said, son, I told you not to go swimming. And her son said, I, I just couldn't help myself. The water looks so good. And the mother said, well, how did you happen to have your swimming trunks with you? He said, I just took them out with me in case I was tempted to go swimming. You know, sometimes that's the way we are. Sometimes we involve ourselves in situations, we put ourselves in situations where it becomes almost impossible for us to resist that temptation. And yet we're admonished to look to Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. Hebrews 12 and verse 2. And I believe every day that we live, if we could just stop and try to keep our focus on Jesus Christ in every situation. If we could just endeavor to try to conduct ourselves as the Lord would have us to. If we could make decisions that would be pleasing to our Lord, then there would be a lot less of us giving in to those temptations to sin so readily and so easily. You know, the Bible admonishes us in Hebrews 6 and verse 1 to go on to perfection. Now, that doesn't mean that we've got to be sinlessly perfect. What that does mean is that we've got to mature. We've got to continue to learn more about what God was have us to be. We remember the words of Jesus in Matthew 5 and verse 48, Be ye therefore perfect. I'm never going to be perfect. You're never going to be perfect. And yet Jesus said, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is also perfect. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to be sinless. The word perfection there has to do with spiritual maturity. In other words, we need to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to be stronger spiritually this week than we were last week. Now I realize that may be easier said than done. You know, how can I accomplish this? How can I be this mature? How can I grow in Christ? Well, I think Paul gives us an incredible insight into this when he wrote the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 in verse 18. And there Paul said, But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory. You know, what Paul is saying here is, is that the word of God is just like a mirror. It's just like a glass. And when we look into God's word, just like, we look into a mirror in the morning and we see ourselves and we know that there are significant changes that we need to make before we go out and be among people. We make those changes because we observe those changes that need to be made. And spiritually speaking, God's word is like a mirror. Whenever we look into the mirror of God's word, we see ourselves as we truly are but then we also see ourselves as we know we ought to be you know I look into the mirror and I see a selfish scoundrel sometimes I see someone that has some problems because of selfishness we all see things that fall short of what God would have us to be as we look into the mirror of God's word but what's our attitude toward God's word as we view ourselves in the mirror of God's word are we willing to make changes are we willing to correct our mistakes You know, there was a children's song written years ago, and I love the tune. Of course, I won't sing it, but the words go, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be because he's still working on me you see that's the attitude we need to possess you know that's why I think Paul could say in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 it is no longer I who live but it's Christ living in me I believe Paul had matured to the point in his spiritual growth that When Paul looked into the mirror of God's word, he no longer saw his own reflection. When Paul looked into the mirror of God's word, he saw Jesus Christ. I think Paul realized that he would never arrive spiritually, that he would always have work to do, that he always had to be aware of those things that could cause him to fall short of God's glory. But Paul had gotten into a certain situation spiritually where his attitude was in everything about my life in every decision that I make, in every aspect of my life, I'm going to do what Jesus would have me to do. And you see, that's what we're striving for. That's how we achieve this spiritual maturity. That's how we achieve the power to overcome temptation. As David said, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you and whenever we look into the word of God we're changed into the very image of the son of God we actually become more like Jesus and as we live each day we need to continually press and strive toward that goal we know the bible says there's no temptation taking you but such as is common to man the promise is that God will make a way of escape. It's wonderful to know that God is not going to allow us to be tempted above what we are able. And so we don't have to give in to sin. But folks, nobody can ever be delivered from temptation unless they are firmly determined to do the very best they can to keep out of it to start with. We have to have the determination in our hearts and minds that we are going to avoid temptation to the very best of our ability. We don't have to transgress God's law, but I believe according to what Peter said here, we need to strive to be more like Jesus in that we give in less and less to sin each day of our lives. In the second place, though, as we observe what Peter said here, may I also point out that we need to be more like Jesus in that we need to be more forgiving. You know, forgiveness is relinquishing my rights to hurt back you think about that for just a minute forgiveness is relinquishing my rights to have revenge to hurt back to return hurt for hurt the Bible says about Jesus in verse 23 who when he was reviled reviled not again when he suffered he threatened not but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Even Isaiah the prophet over in Isaiah chapter 53 talked about how our Lord was going to have to suffer, how that he would be despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And all throughout our Lord's life, he was unjustly criticized. He was accused of being a glutton and a wine-bibber. He was accused of casting out devils by the prince of devils. He was accused of being a blasphemer. And oh, how they ridiculed our Lord that night before he died. Our Lord went through six monk trials, three by the Jews, three by the Romans, all which were filled with illegalities. They spit in his face. They hit him with the palms of their hands. They scourged him. They did everything in their power to humiliate the Son of God. On his back, they placed that mock purple robe and they said, Hail, King of the Jews. And finally, they led our Lord to Calvary's cross to be crucified. And there they placed those nails through the hands and through the feet of Jesus Christ. And even while our Lord was there suffering excruciating pain on that cross, they were hurling insults at him. He saved others, himself, he cannot save. And yet, we find the attitude that our Lord had toward those who had unjustly placed him in that situation. Luke 23 and verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But you see, in essence, it was us that put him on the cross. It was your sins and my sins that put Jesus on that old rugged cross. And folks, no one in their wildest imagination will ever ever offend you more than you have offended deity and I submit to you tonight that we need to be more like Jesus and that we need to be more forgiving when people do things that offend us you know all throughout this suffering the Bible said in first Peter 2 verse 23 that Jesus committed himself to him who judgeth righteously and I believe with the Lord's example here we need to determine and be challenged and motivated to be more forgiving when folks say and do things that offend us in fact it's really not an optional thing if we want to be saved Jesus would say in Matthew 6 and verse 14 for if you forgive men their trespasses your heavenly father will also forgive you But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you of your trespasses. In other words, it's a take it or leave it proposition. I want and desire God's forgiveness. But that is dependent on my being willing to forgive you. We remember the question that Peter asked the Lord over in Matthew 18 and verse 21. Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Seven times? Man, Peter thought he was being generous. And notice Jesus' reply here. He said, I say unto you, not until seven times, but until 70 times seven. In other words, there's just no limit at all to the need to forgive one another we need to be more like Jesus in that we are willing to forgive one another in fact the bible says in Romans 12 and verse 20 therefore if your enemy hunger feed him if he thirsts give him drink for in doing so you shall heap coals of fire upon his head we're challenged in Ephesians 4 and verse 32 to be kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Folks, we'll be a lot happier and we'll find much more peace in our lives when we can have the attitude that Jesus had about forgiveness. I think about somebody like Joseph back in the Old Testament. His own brothers, his own flesh and blood sold him into slavery. In their mind, they killed him. And through the providence of God, we know how Joseph became second in power only to Pharaoh. And we know the end of the story how that Joseph had the power and the ability to make those brothers pay for what they did. He could have sent them to prison. He could have executed them. But Joseph saw God's hand in his life, and he said that this is the work of the Lord. The God of heaven has sent me here for this purpose, and he forgave his brothers. Think about the attitude that Stephen had in Acts chapter 7. As he stood before that bloodthirsty mob, he preached a very powerful sermon, and they couldn't tolerate that kind of preaching. The Bible says they stoned him with stones. And as Stephen was about to die, he kneeled down, Acts chapter 7, verse 61, and he cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And Christ was the same way. And so we need to remember that revenge is not ours to give. Remember Romans 12 and verse 19 Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place under wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Now there's nothing that really excites us more, is it, than for somebody to get what's coming to them, right? I mean, we love it when the bad guy gets what's coming to him. You know, we watch television sometimes or we see a movie and, you know, we love it when the bad guy, the guy that's caused so much trouble, finally gets it in return. We like that. We, by nature, are people that seek revenge. And let, and yet, Peter tells us here, we need to leave vengeance to the Lord. He may not take care of things on our timetable, but the Bible does say, I will repay God will take care of everything in his own time. It's not up to me to execute revenge or vengeance in any way. And so we need to be more like Jesus in that we are willing to forgive those that wrong us. And whenever we have that attitude, we will find true peace in our lives. In the third place, though, quickly, may I point out that we need to be more like Jesus When it comes to having a sacrificial spirit, and by that I simply mean, are we willing to suffer for what we believe in? A teenager may be shunned at school because they claim to be a Christian. An employee may not get the advancement at work if they're not willing to take advantage of somebody else. You may not be invited to this particular party or you may not be included in this particular group if you're not going to participate in drinking or the things that they are going to do contrary to God's will. You're going to be ridiculed for the convictions that you hold as a Christian. Convictions that the world sees as being bigoted and narrow-minded and even hateful, and yet those convictions are based upon God's word. Now Peter said about the Lord here in verse 24, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree. You know, Christ gave up so much that we might be saved. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9, that you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sakes he became poor. You think about how the Lord left the beauties and grandeurs of heaven. He came to this earth to give himself as that perfect sacrifice. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 6 talks about how that our Lord didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he humbled himself. He was made in the likeness of man. And he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And our Lord did suffer on the cross. The Bible tells us he did taste death for every man, Hebrews 2 and verse 9. And folks, if we are going to be followers of Christ, then it necessarily follows that we're going to have to be inconvenienced from time to time. And we ought to do whatever it takes to be faithful to the God of heaven. You know, we're blessed to live in a land where at present time we're not physically persecuted for the fact that we meet and worship God. We're blessed with all kinds of privileges. And I hope that these are things that we will never take for granted. But we need to be the kind of individuals that are willing to stand up for what's right. We need to be willing to defend God's word. We need to be willing to stand up for our convictions and to stand against those things and those individuals that would oppose what the Bible teaches. In fact, Jesus said, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. You rejoice and be exceedingly glad because great is your reward in heaven. Let's not go through life and fail to stand up for the truth. Let's not remain silent when God's word is ridiculed. You know, one reason why we're in the mess we are today in this country is because we've been silent for way too long. And I think one reason why the church has become like it has in some places is because we've just remained silent. We haven't stood up for what's right. And so let's learn to be like Jesus in that we have the courage to stand against those that would defy what God has said. You know, that's one way in which we are privileged to be like our Lord and suffer persecution. And folks, when you stand for the truth and when you stand for what's right, no matter how lovingly and kindly and gently you stand for that truth, you're going to be ridiculed. You're going to be made out as the bad guy and the troublemaker. You're going to be made to feel bad because of your convictions, your own friends, maybe even members of your own family. They may not even stand with you when you truly stand for what is right. But we always need to do what's right and not avoid being persecuted. You think about the apostles over in Acts 5 and verse 49. They were beaten. They were commanded not to preach or teach anymore in the name of Jesus. And the Bible says they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Now, we ought never to go and seek out persecution. But whenever we live the Christian life and stand up for what's right and oppose that which is sinful and we're ridiculed for it, we need to see that as a privilege. Because the Bible says, yea, and all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, 2, Peter, 2 Timothy 3 and verse 12. But I want to close very quickly tonight by suggesting that we need to be more like Jesus and that we're willing to care for other people. Look at verse 25. For you were a sheep going astray, but now are returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your soul. You know, here the idea is a shepherd watching and caring for the sheep. Sheep have to be protected. Sheep sometimes wander aimlessly and carelessly from the fold. And and Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, John chapter 10. He said the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The Lord is saying here, I'm going to take care of my followers. I'm going to take care of my sheep. And he gave up everything that we might have the hope of going to heaven And yet, let's understand tonight, if Christ cared so much about us, should we not also care about one another? Should we not care about that brother or sister in Christ? Should it not grieve us and cause us great hurt when that individual strays away from the Lord? We're admonished to bear one another's burdens, Galatians 6 and verse 2. We then who are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. Romans chapter 15 and verse 1. Do we genuinely care for one another? When you look around and you see someone that's not been in services for a while, what do you do about that? Do you care enough about their soul to, to reach out to them? Oh yes, it's going beyond the wire it's going outside your comfort zone a little bit to maybe check on somebody and tell somebody that you're concerned about them and you want to check about check on them and make sure they're okay what about people you meet every day that you work with your classmates at school your neighbors even family members and they're lost I think we fail to realize and understand sometimes that being lost means you're going to hell. Have you ever thought about really what that means for those people you encounter on a daily basis that are yet outside of Christ, that have never obeyed the gospel, that they're going to hell if they continue on their present course? And do we care enough? about those individuals that we would be willing to reach out and show that we care. Demonstrate our concern for them as we befriend them and as we introduce them to the gospel and to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus cared. And we need to be like Jesus in that we care. And so here are four ways tonight that Peter mentions that we need to be more like Jesus. We need to make up our minds that we're going to not give in to sin, that that's going to happen less and less. We need to be more like Jesus in that we need to be more forgiving. We need to be more like Jesus in that we stand up for what's right and stand for our convictions. Then we need to be more like our Lord in that we care and we demonstrate concern for our brothers and sisters in Christ, and for our fellow man who have been lost in sin without the gospel. And so we're going to sing this song of encouragement. And I think the question for us today is, are we making progress toward that goal of being more like Jesus? Are you striving for that every single day of your life? And of course, being like Jesus... And walking with our Lord begins with that decision to obey the Lord in baptism. If you believe Jesus is the Son of God and you're willing to change your life in repentance, tonight you can confess the name of Jesus, that He is the Son of God. You can be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins. And so we sing the song of encouragement. If you need to come,